the marketing that you're doing is going to induce so, so much other giving. Um, you know, when we do marketing campaigns um, that are focused around fundraising, we often see volunteerism increase or we see food donations increase. Um, we see new community connections that arise out of some of those things. Hey everyone, it's Noah Barnett, the VP of Marketing here at Feather. And today in the studio, I am joined by Katie Atkins. She's the Director of Communication at the Food Bank for Central and Northeast Missouri. Welcome to the studio, Katie. Hey, Noah. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, we are excited to get into how you and the Food Bank do marketing different and really do good marketing. But before we do that, I would love for you to give our listeners some background on you and what was kind of the squiggle in your story that got you to running communications and marketing at a food bank in central and northeast Missouri? Yeah, so lots of squiggles, actually. You know, I have worked in communications for about 10 years, 11 um, and almost all of my experience in communications has been um, in internal communications. So I worked um, in higher education and did internal communications for uh, seven years. And the the big squiggle, I guess, the the moment, if I had to distill it into a moment, it'd be during the pandemic. You know, there are so many things that happen for everyone during the pandemic. And March of 2020, I had a six-month-old baby. My son, his name is Finn, had just been born. I had this evening where I was um, rocking Finn to sleep. And I had just this really big moment of feeling really fortunate. You know, I had a place to live. I, you know, had enough to eat. I was able to have someone bring my groceries to me so I didn't have to leave my home during the pandemic. Um, I had a job that I could work at from home. I had the resources to protect this tiny little person who had been born into this really unprecedented situation. I just thought, man, I'm, I'm really, really lucky. And I'm there are so many people who are not that lucky. And also that luck felt very fleeting. You know, everything felt so up in the air during the pandemic. Um, and I realized that I wanted to do something different than what I was doing. I wanted to be a helper um, at that point. And so... I started kind of thinking about what that might mean for me. Other people were, you know, like making their sourdough. And I was trying to think of, you know, what I what I could do to to make myself feel really fulfilled and, and feel like I was helping. Um, and so about a, a year after that, this role that I'm in now came open. You know, I saw it came open. I was really comfortable in my job at the university. I thought I was good at the role that I was in. Um, this was something completely different. So it was a big leap for me. But I went, I met with the, the food bank team. Um, I heard about the really transformative work that they were doing. I heard about where they were going to be going in the future. Um, this, this really strong foundation that they were laying for food security in, in Missouri. And I just knew that I had to be involved in that. So that's kind of how that arose. <laughs> Katie, I love that story. And I think so often we find ourselves in these moments where we have the opportunity to reflect. And it sounds like that moment with Finn was your moment where we just question, like, could we be a part of something bigger? And I know I've had my own moments and I'm sure our listeners have, but often they just go away. And what I love about your story, and I think so many in nonprofits, is that we have a default to action. And so you ran towards the solution versus just pondering kind of the opportunity. 
Uh, and that's a lovely example. And I, hopefully a reminder to our listeners of why you are in this work, you know, in remembering your own moments of stories of like, what was that path of collision that got you to where you are? So thank you for sharing your story with us. And we're excited to hear more about how that decision has now impacted the food bank that you work at. So just for context setting, because communications and marketing and fundraising sometimes at food banks or even just nonprofits in general can look very different. But can you kind of set the context for us? Like, what are you actually responsible for? What does your team look like? Um, what are you all working on and kind of the main priorities that you focus on at the food bank? Yeah, definitely. My boss, our CEO and president, um, always says that if you've seen one food bank, you've seen one food bank because they all look so different. And that's absolutely true in my experience. Um, so my team is currently a team of three, including me. We started as just me, team of one, um, and have grown over the last couple of years. We're responsible for um, supporting many different teams and their needs. Um, obviously, you mentioned we work really closely with our development team. Um, we help with um, you know all sorts of print marketing, print mail. Um, we help with um, stewardship, um, and we help with events, marketing for events. Um, we help with all sorts of print materials, like our annual reports and our sponsorship packets. Um, right now, we're continuing to be in a capital campaign for our new facility that we're building. So that's a new addition that we've had over the last few years. And then we also support our programs team. So that's messaging to our neighbors, um, messaging to the partner agencies that we work with. Um, and then we also do some advocacy um, and, you know, every once in a while we get to design some trucks, some walls, all of those big, beautiful branded pieces for the food bank too. So honestly, a little bit of everything every day looks just completely different. Yeah, it sounds like it. And it sounds like something that is relatable, even though every food bank's different, every nonprofit's different, is the commonality here is that you as a marketer, as a communicator, have to wear a variety of hats and really contribute across the organization. And this is what I feel passionate about very often is that like when you reflect on that and you realize how impactful marketing is, but then gets labeled as a means to the mission. I'm like, no, marketing is mission critical. And you just prove that like the work you do every day with your team in partnership with your leadership team helps the mission move forward and actually operate. It's not just a means to that mission. So thanks for kind of highlighting that. Yeah. You mentioned a few campaigns that you're working on right now, but could you kind of share a marketing initiative that you've done in the past that has outperformed expectations that has now informed how you are running campaigns currently at the food bank? Yeah. So one of the first really measurable um, like campaigns that outperformed, especially that we were working with Feather with was our score against hunger campaign with Mizzou football. The, the food bank is the charitable partner of Mizzou athletics. So every year we have a game that's dedicated to um, raising awareness around food insecurity in Missouri. Um, so that's called the score against hunger game. We get to partner with um, Mizzou football, the players, coach. We have just amazing partners that we get to partner with. So the big part of that campaign is a mailing. Um, it is a big ask that goes out to all of our donors. But in the past, it had kind of just been a standalone mailing. So a couple of years ago, we decided that we were going to add some different touches to make it really feel like this kind of waterfall effect for our donors. Um, so we added an email ask. We have always had a presence at the game. So that continued. Um, we had a voicemail message. We had ad placement. 
we um, did lots of social, we geofenced the football field, and then we did historical geofencing to remind people of the great event that they had experienced um, as part of Score Against Hunger. And that campaign performed really, really well. Um, it was the first year that we received donations from donors across all 32 counties. And, you know, Mizzou football is, is big in Missouri, uh, but it's a, it, it was a big deal to get participation from all of our counties. And then along with that, with the addition of the email, um, we raised $15,000, which was something that was relatively new. We hadn't done a ton of emailing around that particular campaign. And so, um, you know, with the addition of all of those touches, we recognized that we would be able to kind of follow that same trajectory for some of our future campaigns. And we have done similar, uh, similar efforts with a few more touches, especially around the market, the food bank market capital campaign that we've done. Um, and we found huge success with that, too. So what I love about that is very practical, right? You just combined like something that was just offline mostly with just like, hey, we're going to add some digital touch points and especially relevant, like in today's ecosystem, the reality is we're interacting with brands and experiences through multiple channels and you all just leaning into that and activating on providing that surround sound experience versus maybe a linear or direct response one increased results. And we hear that so often when we talk with nonprofits about their marketing, it's just like, oh, we went multi-channel and the results increased. And it's like, it's that simple <laughs> right now. So you mentioned pulling this forward into your capital campaign. So let's talk about that. What what does that capital campaign look like? What are the elements that you're working on? Lessons you're learning? Tactics you're doing? We like to get in the weeds here on Unplug. Yeah, so, um, so the capital campaign is for the food bank market, which is a new food distribution point that we have opened in Columbia, Missouri. So- the food bank is one of, you know, a, a handful in the nation to offer food at no cost to our neighbors. And we're not just the wholesaler as the food bank, as food banks are, um, but we also have our own point of distribution, which is this food bank market. We had a location. It was called Central Pantry. It served the community very well. We were serving around 10,000 people every month through that facility. But when the opportunity arose... Um, and we were able to purchase a facility that had been a grocery store, we knew we wanted to make that change for the people that we served. Um, we're really passionate about the choice model. So um, uh, amongst food distribution, the choice model is allowing people to come in and choose their own groceries that they take home. Um, you know, it's not a pre-made box or anything. Um, and we knew that we would be able to do that better and that we would be able to pivot and serve more people fresh, nutritious foods in this new facility because it is three times bigger. It has a lot more storage space, cold storage space, but it has a price tag on it, right? Um, so our construction um, cost, our, our campaign goal was $7 million for the facility. So in May, we launched our public phase of our capital campaign. And at this point, the market has opened. It opened November 1st, and we're at 95% of our capital campaign goal. So it's been a really, really short window that we have been able to do that fundraising. It was really important to us to not um, make that effort compete with our, our general operations because it's important that we maintain that funding too. So we had to do a balancing act. But with the uh, with the market campaign launching that in in May and having it continue really through uh, through the year and into next year, 
it's been something that we we've had to create, um, you know, touch points to to really um, keep us to sustain us through that marketing effort. Um, and so the first real one was was the launch of our public campaign, which was in May. Um, we had a ribbon cutting um, and we we really we did multi-channel marketing and we were able to um, really amplify uh, awareness in our community. Um, we also worked really closely with media partners. Um, we did lots of print mailings, but digital was really, I think, the thing that drove the campaign to stay at top of mind for our community. And again, you know, when we talk about outperforming, we just did a, a matching campaign that was primarily digital. We had a $25,000 match from a corporate donor and we exceeded our fundraising goal of $25,000 for the match by almost $10,000. So that was a great win for us. And then our print mailing campaign also outraised our expectation by, um, you know, more than a hundred percent. So it was, it was a good all around effort. Um, and we're still we're still rolling in that campaign. So that's awesome. There are a few things I want to like uh, dissect in what you just shared. But before I do that, I love the example of where you all are innovating in mission delivery and also still leaning into the choice model, which I know is something that provides dignity and like support for that care. So I want to acknowledge that we're here talking about marketing, but I think it's just it's a beautiful picture of how a nonprofit can evolve and innovate while still retaining kind of that dignity for the beneficiaries that it's serving. And thank you for sharing that example. Getting into the details a little bit about how you're marketing this, you talked about the matching gift campaign and kind of how you ran that. And you talked about the success of it. But I want to get into the weeds on like, what did that actually look like? You got a match. Those are always great. But what did you all actually do? How did you communicate that? Was there any lessons learned around the matching campaign specifically? Yeah, so um, the matching campaign was really simple, um, and it was a series of emails um, and then additional social engagement. We leveraged the platform of the business partner who'd provided the match, um, and then we did our own um, our own ad campaign for it. What, did the, what do you mean by leverage the business platform? Like, explain that. So our business partner had social media, a social media presence that was pretty significant. Um, and we just collaborated with their team to be able to make sure that that message was going to their audience and our audience. And, you know, that's a great overlap because there are definitely people in their audience who aren't part of our community as far as giving yet. Um, and then we're able to benefit from that in the long term as well. Um so it was it was almost entirely digital. And then obviously, um, you know, we have our amazing development team who is connecting with donors and letting them know um, through through in-person visits, through, you know, all of the different kinds of stewardship that they do about that matching opportunity. So it was it was relatively simple as far as as far as campaigns go. And it it just it performed. That's excellent. The other thing you mentioned as part of this initial campaign launch, and then I, I do want to get a little bit into like the division of promoting a capital campaign versus promoting the general campaigns you have and how do you not compete against those? Because I think that's really complex. But before we do that, you've mentioned direct mail a few times. And I think often as marketers or as digital forward individuals, usually in marketing and comms, we might neglect the power of direct mail or maybe not the op or dilute the opportunity that's there. What have you all been doing in direct mail 
And is it just your traditional fundraising letters or have you tried like postcards and other things? Like give us a little bit of insight into like what you're doing through the mail today that's complementing your digital programs. Yeah, so we do quarterly newsletters and we find that those are some of the pieces that perform the best. People focus stories, um, information about um, the programs that we have, how we're trying to improve them. Those get great engagement from our existing community of donors. Um, you know, we do. These are physical newsletters, just to clarify. Physical newsletters, not e- We also do e newsletters. In 2023, <laughs> yes. you're sending physical newsletters. Physical okay, did everyone newsletters. everyone hear that? And it's working. Yes. Uh, so we do a physical newsletter. And I mean, part of this is so largely based on the demographic of our of our our, our donor pool. Right. We have um, a lot of people that that like getting that mailed newsletter. That doesn't mean that we don't do the e-newsletter, too, because we do that. And then we do, you know, social ads. We do social posts. Um, but all of those things, I think, are really important to kind of wrapping opportunities around our donors um, to, to remain engaged with us. Um, we absolutely do print postcards. Man, I love a good postcard. Um, postcards are so, so quick and easy and so just absolutely easy to consume. When we do them, they're just largely graphic. You know, they're, they're just really, really visually impactful. We want people to be able to hang them on their fridge. And that's kind of the, the other key that people can continue to feel like, right? Like if you put, if you put a, a family picture on your fridge and you put a food bank postcard next to it on the fridge, like you feel part of that community. That's a nice feeling. Absolutely. And I love the postcard idea as both a reminder or vehicle to re-engage with supporters, but also to act as that, like what you're, uh, what we see in other marketing efforts is like a token of like a reminder, like often the only return on donations that a donor gets is the communication the nonprofit sends them. And so in the normal thing, like if I buy like clothing, I get to wear it and then like something happens. Or if I go to the store to buy food, you know, there's a transaction there of value because I got the food. With nonprofits, it's like they donate to you, you're doing the impact and all they get is like the communications from the nonprofit and the connection with community that the nonprofit helps facilitate. And we often forget how important that is to close the loop. And that postcard can, so so simple or like magnet or thank you notes or whatever it is can really be the token that is like the product that we're exchanging with the, uh, in, in, in exchange for the donation, basically um, super powerful. I remember one time I uh, gave to this organization and it was helping children overseas uh, that had less of an opportunity. And they had this like token thing that they would send you, which was just like a piece of like tattered cloth. And the idea was that that wasn't like a piece of tattered cloth from the programs or something, but it was this idea that like together we're building a tapestry or kind of like being a part of a solution to provide this. And I think it had a keychain on it or something. And I kept that for so long and I, it meant a lot to me as a donor just because like it, it made me feel a part of it. It's like in the same way we wear jerseys for football teams or we, you know, put on logos like I work at Feather or maybe you work at the food bank, like these identity associations really matter and having a physical manifestation of that is extremely important. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Also, what a gorgeous return, like something to return to you is that, that piece of fabric, like how meaningful. Absolutely. Well, the last thing we mentioned was that you said you didn't want the capital campaign to distract from your other campaigns that you're running. How the heck did you do that? (laughs) Yeah. So um, I can't say that like 
we've definitely perfected it because we absolutely haven't, but we're, you know, we're trying to, to work through, um, you know, really identifying those individuals that are focused on something that is very specific to a county um, versus, you know, our, our wider donor base. So we've done a lot of segmentation, um, both with email and with direct mail to make sure that, you know, we were able to, to maintain that, that general ops fund or continue to get people to, to make gifts to food. And that's kind of been the, the difference in messaging too, right? There are people that are really focused on being able to give to support, you know, they want to give, they want to give a meal, they want to give the meals and we can communicate that, but communicating the transformative nature of this amazing facility for a community is a, and it's an entirely different message, right? Um, so we focused really geographically. Um, but the other thing that we've had to do, and this kind of mirrors um, the fundraising challenge, is we also have to be able to support our operations at both the market and the food bank with volunteers. Um, and so those are obviously also two very, very different experiences. But we're pulling from the same pool um, of donors or of volunteers to be able to support those operations. So we have done a lot of segmentation around different volunteer opportunities, and really it is communicating different, the different kinds of value that you might draw from those volunteer opportunities. Um, and, you know, we use, we use email and um, targeted ads for that too. Um, but really there is, um, you know, there's a social opportunity when you're volunteering at the food bank and repackaging food, um, you're supporting a, a wider swath. Of, of neighbors across 32 counties. Um, but there's something really meaningful to, to many people about being able to walk into the market that exists in their community and bag groceries for someone who is not, you know, not able to get enough food or not able to get the kinds of nutritious food that they need. Um, because they're not just giving their time, but then then they're they're giving their their support just by their simple presence, right? The ministry of presence, just being present and being there to support that neighbor. So some things that we've done, we've done some conversation campaigns to try to find the the different value that um, volunteers find in volunteering. And then that in in some ways can help us identify, which folks have the heart for which type of volunteerism. And then we can wrap messaging around that too. Yeah. I think the big theme here that I appreciate is that you can do this when you segment well, or when you think about what is the right information to put in front of the, this group of people versus another group of people. And that's something that I think marketers don't leverage often enough is the art of specificity and relevance versus reach. And it's like, Oh, we got to send this mailing piece. Who are we going to send it to? versus we're trying to engage this audience. What is the right channels and the content to use? And then what is the right ask or activation that we need for this specific audience? And if you're artful about that and you're leveraging kind of insights from the market to dictate the ings that you use, it's marketing, not ing market. It's very important. <laughs> so you focus on the market first and then you orchestrate a set of ings to engage them. You can run a lot of different campaigns in a what would seem like a crowded or kind of competing environment, but it's through the art of segmentation. And so that was a beautiful uh, kind of overview of how you all have leveraged that. 
Well, and the, the challenge there then is that, you know, many of us in the nonprofit world are, are working with really limited resources, really limited time. Um, and so, you know, if you're crafting a message, if you're trying to figure out a message for a particular segment, um, that's 100 people versus 1000 people, but maybe those 100 people have a really important role to do, you know, it, it takes the same amount of time to craft a thoughtful message, regardless of of how big the group is. So I think, you know, if you're using any kind of automated messaging um, to really respond to people's presence on your website, right? Maybe you have people who are interested in, they're looking at the market and they're looking at the volunteering page or something. The more information you can garner, um, the the more helpful you can be uh, to yourself in the future by setting up great automation. Absolutely. And just being able to collect that data and be able to know that someone's interested in this and this or this or that, or, you know, I'm an advocacy person versus a volunteer person or whatever it is, being able to track and then respond to that is really important. You've been at the food bank for, I guess, two years now or so. Yeah, two years. What are some of the learnings you've had moving from like, you worked in higher ed. Now you're at like a, hey, we got to engage our community with our cause on a regular basis. As a nonprofit marketer and communicator, what are the two or three things that you've learned in these past two years that you think others could benefit from hearing yeah. as they lead marketing at their organization? So I think one of the the biggest things is, um, you know, connecting with others that are that are doing the same kind of work that you're doing. Um, food banks, especially, and I'm, I'm sure all nonprofits are just like ridiculously generous with the support that they want to give to one another. It's such a positive uh, environment, collaborative environment to, to work in. Um, so in a former life, I was a teacher and it is very similar to being a teacher. You know, people want to help you with giving you their campaign information, letting you know what worked well for them, what didn't work. So creating a, a net of people around you who you can bounce feedback off of, uh, uh, you know, bounce ideas off of, get feedback, um, learn from those people. Um, you, you couldn't have a better group of people to do that with than food bankers. So if you're a food banker out there, first of all, add me to your network of people to talk to. And second of all, um, you know, just, just draw from that uh, information. But I feel like the other thing, too, is working in the nonprofit realm, um, especially if you're on a small team, sometimes you feel like you're floating in a sea and you're kind of on your own. But never forget that you have an amazing network of volunteers, donors, and um, just advocates in general who are willing to to share insight, to share information. And, uh, you know, another thing that you can of course do is um, have them have the market for you. And that can be really, really, uh, really advantageous to um, being able to share, um, you know, turn, turn people into, to advocates on your behalf um, is something that can be really helpful. And um, in general, you know, we have amazing volunteers who, can speak to the mission and the heart of why they're doing the work that they're doing just as well as anyone on the marketing team can. Yeah, absolutely. Those are super helpful. The last question I have for you before we wrap up, and we always like to end on like one pra practical thing, but a lot of nonprofit marketers struggle with measurements. 
and like what should you be measuring but even more importantly what should you be reporting to others that marketing is doing how do you think about measuring success and like what key performance indicators or kpis do you focus in on when you're reflecting on these campaigns or these efforts across a variety of projects yeah, um, it can be really challenging, especially with the diverse types of campaigns that we run, um, you know, trying to support programs and trying to support development. Um, so obviously, I'm looking at engagement, click-through rates, and, um, you know, cost per click, things like that can be really helpful. Um, and while those are also the things that often, you know, our board or um, some of our leadership team may be looking at and interested in, I think it's just as important to be able to key into some of the insights of your teammates um, because the marketing that you're doing is going to induce so, so much other giving. Um, you know, when we do marketing campaigns um, that are focused around fundraising, we often see volunteerism increase or we see food donations increase. Um, we see new community connections that arise out of some of those things. And, you know, you can't, you can't record that um, through um, any kind of, um, through any kind of data that you might be collecting from how someone interacted with an email, but being able to kind of look at some of those things holistically. And so when I report to, you know, my board, we share social media analytics for the month, which is typically views, engagements, um, click through rate, things like that. Um, but we also share all the media coverage that we've gotten um, and we share any kinds of new community connections that we've received that we think were probably induced by um, some sort of marketing campaign. Um, and we share information about, you know, our, our, our volunteer numbers. So it's we try to kind of take a holistic look at engagement in general. You know, it's not something that you can always put an exact number to. But so, so, so many times, um, you know, I have. People connect with me just because they saw an email and then they saw an ad and the food bank was on the top of their mind when they thought about being, you know, engaged in the community. Um, we have really cool opportunities that have arisen just because of some of those things. So, Yeah, no, that's great. And I think it is important that you take some of those like channel specific metrics or things that maybe we in marketing care about. But how do you translate that to others? And I think engagement engagement's actually the right word of how many of our, you know, what's the level of, or the volume of people we're engaging with our organization across a variety of touch points, what level of depth, even one step further, and then ultimately what's the revenue or the volunteers or the other signups or impacts that are, are their output, but those upstream metrics of engagement and the depth of engagement, I think are sometimes things we forget. So thank you for resurfacing that. This has been a pleasure, Katie. I want to leave you because it's a core value here at Feather um, to give one practical advice that you would leave people with right now as they stop listening to this and they go back into the mission work that they're doing. What's the one thing you would keep them uh, or have them keep top of mind as they design campaigns and do good marketing? So I, I think my my advice would be just build your community and use your platform to lift voices. Um, you know, on social, that can be as simple as interacting with and responding to anyone who engages with your content. Um, you know, if if a social post gets uh, five comments, there should end up being 10 because you should respond to each of them, you know, improve 
uh, improve your chances of appearing in other people's feeds. But by doing that, you know, you're creating a, a digital community of people who feel connected and feel part of your community. From a food banking perspective, that's important because anyone can experience food insecurity at any time. And if I can feel accessible, if the food bank can feel accessible to those people digitally, they'll be more likely to, you know, search us out if they need a resource like that. Um, but from the perspective of a marketer, that also is going to build brand advocates. And that in itself takes a little bit off my plate, which can make it much easier to be effective with a small team. Um, you know, user-generated content around events, around volunteer opportunities, those things are all going to increase if you are fostering a, a great inclusive digital community. So I think that that is something that is an easy thing to do if you just think about people first on your digital platform. It's, a, it's an opportunity for engagement um, rather than a place where you just share information. Absolutely. Yeah, we believe in that here at Feather and encourage it through the good marketing platform is keeping your community top of mind and that they are just people and that's what you're connecting with. Katie, thanks again for giving of your time and your experience. Uh, how can listeners connect with you and the Food Bank of Central and Northeast Missouri if they're curious to learn more? Yeah, so... Um, you can always go to sharefoodbringhope.org. That is our website. If you submit our um, form to contact us, that's going to come to me and my team. So I will see it and I'd be happy to connect with anybody um, on any kind of nonprofit marketing effort um, or just if you're interested in, in learning about food banking. Absolutely. And I'll tease, you should reach out to Katie via LinkedIn or something and ask her about the recent beer partnership that you all did. We're not going to say any more than that. But if you're curious enough, reach out to Katie, said you heard her on the Good Marketing Unplugged podcast and say, what's this with a beer partnership? And then she'll give you some more details. Katie, it's been a pleasure. We hope to have you back in the studio soon. Thanks so much, Noah.